The Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast is sponsored by Church Comm Team. Whether you're starting from scratch or you're trying to grow, Church Comm Team can help you with your communications at your church. Go to churchcomteam.com and request a free consultation today. We feel like that the biblical model of church is everybody comes together and creates an experience that is unique and better because of everybody's participation there. Church Online is not a a Hebrews 10 issue, it's a Mark 16 issue, where Jesus says, go into all the world and and preach the good news. A big part of how we define success moving forward is to recognize that the people online have value and they are truly members of our congregation. Culture everywhere within society has adapted, yet we, the church, are still stuck in this 2020, and is it even really working? So, hey, why are we going back to that again? I think organizations and churches that have the ability to dream and haven't been able to actually execute, like, this is where you have the chance to fail forward. So, welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. And this is the final episode of season one of the Seminary of Hard Knocks, episode 13. Got a baker's dozen going on. I'm excited about this show because in this episode, I talk with Kyle Ranson. And this is really a synthesis of everything this show has been about this season. It's taking all the things that we've talked about and showing you someone who's doing all a lot of that um, and doing it really, really well. And I will say this. Um, Talking with Kyle was so incredible to hear all the, I walked through his website and all the things that he's doing uh, with his church at Crossroads Church, it's crossroads.net if you want to go check it out. But he's the pastor basically over cross, what they call Crossroads Anywhere, which is being the online church anywhere you are. So they have locations in like Ohio, Kentucky, et cetera. But this is a, this is their online location. And let me tell you guys, it is more than streaming a service. It is so much more. It's taking all the different things that we can do right now that you can do. This is not a get new equipment and meet in the metaverse kind of thing. That's cool. But this is like no new equipment really required. This is stuff that you you probably have access to using written uh, content, uh, social media, uh, uh, video, audio, all the different tools at his exposure, his disposal that you have too, and showing you how to do great ministry with it. I've honestly not seen anybody do it so well as what they're doing. I, I was just blown away by this conversation and I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not just trying to hype. You know, if you know me at all, you know, I am not a hype guy. I use what I like and I tell you about it and that, and I just tell you what I, f- I find to be amazing. And if I don't think it's amazing, I don't really talk about it. So um, I, I thought this conversation was so enlightening and so incredible. I'm excited to bring it to you. Kyle is uh, basically the online pastor for Crossroads Church. And it's it's funny because Megan couldn't be here for this. It's actually her brother-in-law. And so if you don't know Kyle, Kyle is not a go out and speak at conferences and, and, and that kind of guy. He He is just in the trenches doing ministry online. Uh, and, and doing it super, super well. So I'm excited to bring this conversation to you. Uh, before we get there, just know that this is the last episode for this season, but we're coming back in the fall and we're going to bring back, you know, bring in the heat, bring in the fire back uh, in the fall. And I'm excited about that. I hope you'll join me. Uh, make sure you join the Facebook group 
and uh, go to my website, sethmuse.com slash podcast. You can get all the episodes, uh, but also on that, on my website, find a way to join my email list. There's a, a major messaging calendar you can download that helps you organize all your messaging, like posters, flyers, uh, digital ads, email marketing. What are you talking about in your announcements? It's all there to help you align it all. Put your message, your message series is on there, your events coming up on there so that everybody has one place you're working from on what's going on at the church. So you can keep referring back to it. Uh, it's a really great tool. It's what we use with our, our church comm team clients. So um, we're giving that to you for free. Uh, just go download it, make sense of it. And if you want to work with me on, you know, getting your systems in place, um, I definitely am happy to do that. You know, that's what we do with church comm team. So, uh, check out churchcomteam.com. But, uh, I'm excited about this conversation. I'm excited about where we're going. I feel like you're going to really get a lot from this. Now I will warn you, this is a long, this is a long conversation. So, so strap in, uh, it, it is a long in-depth. I don't want to delete any of it. It was, um, I didn't want to edit any of it out. It was just all so very good. So I know you're going to, you're going to get a lot through it. Take notes, take it in chunks, whatever you got to do, but get through this episode because this is like seriously the best example of how to do all this online. Uh, well, and something else you need to understand is like whether you're large church or small church, this is a larger church, but there's really only him and a couple volunteers. So, so it's like, this is doable. This is doable for you uh, wherever you are. So I'm excited to bring this to you. I'm going to shut up now and get to it. So thank you guys for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. Make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast itself, and I will see you again very or Will I see you? I might bring it. You know what? Yeah, I will see you on video. We're going to go for video. I'll go ahead and tell you that. I'm going to go for video, and we're going to try that too. And also, quick, quick uh, announcement. I can't give you too many details about it, but I want to tell you now. There is a new church communications conference on the way. There is one coming and it is going to be a very good community-based conference about communications that I think you're going to love. I want to share more about that um, over the next few weeks as we get more information, you know, ready to to share, but um, working on that with some friends and I think it's going to be amazing. So get ready to hear, hear a little bit about that. Make sure you connect with me on all those places uh, Facebook group. I'm even starting a discord server. So get, make sure you get on all that stuff when it launches and uh, you'll, you'll hear about what's going on with that comments. All right. So let's jump into the conversation with Kyle Ranson and uh, um, thanks for listening to Seminary of Hard Knocks. My guest today is Kyle Ranson. Kyle is a pastor and leader of creative product development with over 16 years of experience building and leading highly innovative and effective teams. And for the past decade, he's served on the executive leadership team at Crossroads Church, overseeing physical and digital experiences for all ages, software development, social media and marketing, just to name a few, content creation and generosity. Uh, Now Kyle's a community pastor at Crossroads Anywhere. Uh, the Crossroads Community Connecting and Gathering Online from Anywhere and Everywhere is their slogan. Um, in his time serving, Crossroads has twice been named the fastest growing church in America and has recently seen its online church experience tremendous growth. Uh, you can connect with him on Instagram at Cranson28, which is K-R-A-N-S-O-N 28, or with Crossroads. At, it looks like it says Crossroads Church, but it's C-R-S-R-D-S Church. Uh, on Instagram. Uh, welcome to the show, Kyle. Glad to have yeah, you. Yeah, man. 
thanks for thanks for having me. Excited, excited to be with you. Absolutely. And uh, before we jump in, we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Um, you are related to Megan. <laughs> I am. How are I you am. related to Megan? Well, she would say that I am her brother-in-law, but I would say that she is my sister-in-law. That's oh, kind of how we would probably talk about it. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and, and what's funny is that um, she couldn't be here for this interview today. <laughs> I know. What the heck? <laughs> Megan? Jeez. So, so she's bummed. We were talking yesterday and I was like, hey, you're good for tomorrow. She's like, she goes, no, I'm not. I can't do it. <laughs> So, uh, we're missing her today and that's unfortunate, but, uh, she sends her love and is sorry. She couldn't be here. Um, I'll harass her later. Yes. Uh, you'll see her at Easter or, or mm-hmm. the next family gathering. Um, right. so talk to me a little bit about, oh, we got so much to talk about and, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, crossroads anywhere. Um, yeah. what is that? What is your role? And, and just kind of talk me through what this, what this thing is. Okay. So it, you, you need to interrupt me because I'm also a teaching pastor. So I'm used to talking for 35 straight minutes uninterrupted. So interrupt me whenever possible. Got it. No I problem. will, I will give you the story of crossroads anywhere in a Lord of the Rings format. So we're going to have the first age in the second age and the third age going to be great. Love it. it. In the first age, um, this is back in 2015, we were doing a, capital campaign, just kind of looking at what's, what was next for our church and wanted to saw the world changing. And at that point we weren't streaming. There was, we had a website. The website was about getting you to a building. Mm-hmm. That was it. And we recognized, uh, just stuff was changing and we wanted to open up access to crossroads. So, uh, me and another guy were tasked with basically develop a fundable pitch. So think like you're going to go to venture capitalist. And come up with a with an idea. And what we came up with, we called Crossroads Anywhere. And the pitch we gave to our church was, um, what if you could be part of Crossroads from anywhere? You know, what if you could be part of the same church as your family who lives three states away? Mm-hmm. Um, what if what if you could move and never have to leave your church? Um, and what if our church could reach people who the current form of church, this building church thing, it just isn't going to reach. They're not going to walk into the building. And it went really well. That campaign raised about a hundred million dollars total. And about 20 million of that went towards um, basically jumpstarting this thing we called Crossroads Anywhere. Now, what I'd say is that first age, as we were kind of experimenting, what is this? And what are people willing to do? And asking the question what we're still asking every day, how do you do this thing called church online what does that even mean and and you know wrestled through lots of theological questions that are really important to 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 get through and more or less at that point we were we kind of designed it as in hindsight what i would say wasn't a new model for ministry but was a new marketing strategy for how to start more of the old model okay meaning our, our basic vision we gave people was hey you can be part of crossroads from anywhere you alone but your next step is going to be you watch Crossroads with other people, like in your basement or whatever. And right. if you get enough people, then we'll rent you a school. And if you get enough people there, we'll, you know, we'll buy you a building. So it's sort of like always going to end up yeah. in the old spot, which. Yeah, because you've got a, you've got a ton of locations. 
we got a bunch of them and you know it was it was going well like I said that was that that happened and it was shortly after we were the fastest growing church in america two out of three years i think we were the fourth largest at one point and you know it was like oh this is great we'll just we'll just it's like an extension of the multi-site strategy yeah here's here's how we can have more multi-sites and i I'll say through that, that was the direction where, where we were going. Um, something, something in me was never satisfied with that and kind of always pushed back against it of like, gosh, I think we're not reaching new people if it just ends up in the old space. Yeah. And, and that's more or less what we saw. So we, at that point, we started and we had communities all over the country um, from a dozen people to 100, 120 people um, in different cities around the country. And they were all theoretically on this path to becoming a crossroads site. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I'll say, you know, a lot of people get really excited about microsites, and for some churches that works. Um, I just caution any leader who has a vision for this being a thing of it, if you put people on a path that looks like the old path, you're going to end up with a church building. They're just going to want a church building. And if you're not ready and prepared with the funding and the energy to do campaigns and all that stuff, you're just going to end up with a bunch of really disappointed people. And that's kind of what we, where we got to, I mean, that's a really simplistic way of viewing it, but yeah, it's kind of like we were a couple years ago. It's kind of like you all get together and go, we're excited about this thing. And then the culmination of all that passion and excitement is, Hey, we got a building. Cool. Now you got one. Now what, you know? And it's like, Oh wow. I think we've, I think we lost the plot, you know, a little bit. I think that's exactly what what it was for us. And so, you know, we, we sort of, went into an, an age two that I would describe as early COVID confusion, mm-hmm. <laughs> COVID yeah. hits. Um, and at that point, we, you know, the entire church went digital. And so yeah. some of our theological debates with each other became utterly irrelevant. It's like, we don't have another choice. Yeah. Um, and we just started attracting a bunch of people, giving them access to our church in, in, in new ways. Um, and that's kind of age two where I'd say like, growth was happening, but there was really not a cohesive vision strategy. Right. It was, it was band-aids. It was uh, triage. It was triage and opportunity. Yeah. You know, so that during, during 2020, um, we added a couple million social media followers over the course of that year. And we did that because I, I I recognized, um, and our, our, our social media guy who works for me, he's brilliant brought the opportunity. He just said, Hey, look, everyone's home and online and you can, your cost per click is cheaper than ever. <laughs> yeah. So we can add a bunch of people for way less money than ever before. We can, you know, we can, we, we can help people out. And so we did that. Um, it worked great, but then there's still the question of like, okay, so following somebody on social media, you're not part of a church. What does it mean to be part of a church? And uh, around that time, I think our, our, our church should recognize this is the future. We don't know what it looks like, but this is the future. And so I was asked um, to by our board and our our uh, senior pastor, executive pastor, to basically lead it. Like this is the future. Go go build the future. Um, so it went for for me from being part of my job and one of the things that worked for me to becoming my job. Yeah. Um, which was you know I know there's others probably listening who. who may have been asked that or will be asked that it's a scary moment. I'm a, I tell people I'm not an online church guy. I'm a church guy. Uh, I spent, I spent 15 years, um, leading, developing, doing largely building church ministry. Um, if there's anything I I tell folks now, you know, if there's anything I'm an, I'm actually an expert on 
in the world, it's how to do building church um, and maybe fundraising campaigns because we've had some good ones of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you've, you've had to, you have to kind of have that if you're going to be pioneering right. anything. And so it's, you know, it, it's a, it can, it was a scary moment to let go of this thing and go, I'm going to go in this unknown world that mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have the answers for. I, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I don't have lot, all the answers. I think a lot of pastors feel that way, you know, as they, they're being pushed that direction or feel that, that pull towards more of an online engaging, even, even those that are like just streaming their service. They're like, right. that feels like a big stretch. And then there's you you know, completely own in that space. And, and it's like, do I need to do that? So I, I understand that tension that pastors are, are feeling that. And there's a lot of fear involved. Yeah. What, what, what was some of those things that you felt like, Oh man, I don't know about this. This is, this is a little scary. Well, you know, I, I don't really to, to just keep it personal for, for a minute. Cause maybe somebody else is feeling this way. There's a scary moment of what if this doesn't work? Yeah. And do I really want to bet my career on this mm-hmm. you know it's one thing to be like to sit to sit in, in meetings as a church and go like yeah we should be giving we should be streaming our services we should be reaching people online it's another one to go like cool um we're gonna bet our church's future on that and yours mm-hmm. and it's like oh man and i think in some yeah. ways I, and this kind of sets up this this idea of a third age for us for me it really felt like oh i'm being asked to be a missionary Yes. And I'm being asked to leave the church I love with its Sunday services that I love going to, my kids love going to, and I'm being asked to start a new expression of this church in a land where there's not one yet. And it means I need to learn a new language. It means there's risk. It means there's customs, traditions, things I don't understand. Um, it means I'm going to have to be like Hudson Taylor, you know, who he goes to um, mainland China, right back in mm-hmm. back in the 19th century, and he has to grow his hair out long and looks weird and gets ridiculed by the people who sent him. You can't do that. That's not allowed. That's not what it means to be a Christian man. And to go online, you, you encounter all of those things often, yeah. and, and some of the hardest times from the people who are part of your tribe sending you. Yes, and they don't mean it. It's not their intention, but it's just part of this. I think this move that we're experiencing in the Western Church. Of what does it mean when the church moves online? Yeah, it sounds to me like what I hear you saying is, is it's not about building models and you know perpetuating something online that exists in the real in in, in real real life IRL or whatever, but it's yeah. about like we noticed a problem and a people we weren't reaching, and we developed a way to do that with what we have. Yes. It sounds more like problem solving than it does, you know quote, the typical ministry that you would just get a job and go be a minister. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and it is, I mean, it's, it's an innovative space and it really, for us, it's shifted when we, when we stopped thinking about, uh, I, I would say we realized we were asking the wrong question. Yeah. Our, our starting point question was how do we make church, but online? Mm-hmm. And you know, my, my background before, before church world, I, I the thing I'm actually professionally qualified to do in, in the world is product design and development. That's what I went to school for. Um, industrial design. And you learn in that, you know, the surest way to create a failed product that nobody wants is you start with an idea, a what, which would be like, you know, I'm going to make a toaster with nine slots. It's going to be great. Everyone's going to buy it. Um, yeah. Similar would be, I'm going to make church, but online. And when you do that, what you're, what you're, the, the fallacy there is you fall in love with a solution to a problem nobody has. 
And so you have to flip in this missionary mindset, you know, a good missionary doesn't go in and go, I know exactly what you need. And I have the idea. A good missionary goes in and says, let me understand who you are, how you live. Um, My answer at the end of the day, of course, is going to be Jesus in the church. But let me understand how I get you there, you know, and and that's what we started to do is to say, like, let's take this missionary mindset and go out and really understand who are the people who are living life online? What are their felt unmet needs that nobody else is meeting? And how can we meet them in a way that utterly blows them away? You know, yes. and, and for me, it's like, I think that's what Jesus did. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he walked up to people. Um, Absolutely. He kind of walks up and goes, all right, I'm assessing the problem. Here's a solution. And it looked different every time. That's right. You know, that's it, right. It, and, and what's, what's interesting about that, just to, uh, to, to tag up, tag along on what you're saying, Jesus repeats only a couple of miracles a few times, right? One of them that he repeats the most is the healing of someone's sight. He does it three mm-hmm. times. And every time he does it, he does it different. And, and you got to wonder, like, why did he do it different every time? You know, That's it right. was like something specific on that person. He reached them that way. Like one, he just said, go wash. One, he spit on the ground, made mud, stuck it in the dude's eye and said, go wash. Mm-hmm. And one, mm-hmm. he spit directly in the dude's face. And, and like, those are all really drastic ways when especially if you're the other two guys, like I could have just gone and you could have just said it and I would have been healed. Without, right, right. All, the, the first guy got would have been cool <laughs> without all the spit, you know? So, uh-huh. it, you know, it would have been like, Hey, can we just do it that way? But he did it different every time. And I think that's in, interesting. It's innovative in the sense that, you know, he's doing ministry in an innovative way, even though we yeah. might not understand why he did that. It's, it's unique. And I think the online space requires some innovative thinking like that, where you're not yeah. just trying to take one product and make it good for the internet. Like you just said, yeah. is that you're looking at where you are and go, how do I create puzzle pieces that fit perfectly in these spaces? Well, and that's, that's the real, that's, this is where it becomes really exciting. You know, if, if, if what you're trying to do is essentially uh, scan in your church and then upload it to the internet, uh, yeah. That's going to be a frustrating, horrible experience. And you're not going to help anybody. Yeah. Um, but if what you can do is approach it and go, hey, who am I trying to reach? And, and what are the advantages? You know, I think, I think way too much time is spent focused on what are the disadvantages of online? And a large, lot, lot of that is like, well, you can't have community if it's not in person. And I will show you data point after data point that Mm-hmm. really begs to differ about what it means to be with somebody and experience true community. Um, and by the way, that doesn't mean I think you should live isolated and never see people. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not saying that either. But when you take this opportunistic standpoint, we, we came up with a, um, a saying that still sticks in my brain and sort of guides my thinking. And, and it was really around what, what does it mean to leverage technology? digital? What are the advantages over and and above what a building's currently able to do? And for us, it, it's, it's, um, it's the acronym PASS. Okay. <laughs> so P-A-S-S, personal, accessible, scalable, and subscri- subscribable. Those are four things that technology does that a building doesn't do. First is personal. I don't have to talk to everybody as if they're the same person. Mm-hmm. But when I'm on a stage and I'm talking to a, to a room, I, I get to give one message 
one set of announcements. And as I'm doing it, you know, any good teacher, you're going to come up with your like, I'm going to think of an example for somebody in high school, somebody who's yeah. uh, you try to hit, kids. And you try to hit all the, all the marks. Yeah. Right. But you're, but everybody hears the same thing. Yes. And that's not the internet. That's not how it works. One of the advantages is you can get way more personal, which is, you know, you talk about how Jesus did ministry. I just think about there's 900 names for God in the Bible, a hundred and something for Jesus, but he's really selective about when he walks up to an individual person, which name he chooses to use, you know? So when he goes to the woman at the well, who's literally looking for water, he goes, I'm the living water. He doesn't call himself the bread of life. She's not hungry. She's thirsty. You know, so for, for me, as I look at, at sort of the online, where we are now, uh, it's one of the things I'm most excited for us to, to grow in is the ability to get more and more personal. Um, it's why when you go to our, our site, we produce all kinds of different content beyond just the weekend. And I would say right now we're making 2% of what we should. We need to make really? far more. And it's, it's because, you know, what the, what the church, what church has been, if you think about what building church is, this is one of the premises I'll, I'll push back on people. And I go, you can have church online. It's not, it's not real, whatever. I go like, no one ever had real community in a Sunday morning service. Let's, let's just calm down for a second. That mm-hmm. wasn't a thing that was happening. What you're, what you're doing is this together learning about God and worshiping. together. That's what happens there. That's crit- those are critical. We right. need to get that to people. But if you just think about the teaching section for a moment, the problem um, or the limiter, maybe not the problem, maybe the limiter is a better way to talk about it, with the yeah. Sunday sermon is it's one message to everybody. And so I might be talking to you about um, how to have a really great uh, friendship, right? But what you just experienced on Friday is you got laid off. And you're not really needing the message about friends in the moment, you know? Right. Um, you're, you're needing a message about hope and possibility. You're needing something completely different. And also, by the way, you might, the moment in your week where you might need to be instructed about God the most might be Wednesday morning when you're bored at work at 10 a.m. and you're you're doing what everybody does in the whole world. You've got your phone out and you're thumbing through and you're looking mm-hmm. for stuff. Well, I want you to find content about God that's going to encourage you, inspire you, equip you for your week. And I, I don't think it should be Sunday only. I, I just, Real quick, I one of my um, guy, I think I'm getting to spend some time with him in February, who I've really been inspired by is Frank Blake, who was the former CEO of Home Depot. And yeah. he took them, he took them digital. So he made homedepot.com massive success, um, massively grew that company, didn't build a single new building during his tenure, mm-hmm. built no new buildings. And yet building homedepot.com increased his same store sales by 700%. So there's a mutually beneficial relationship by the way, between buildings and online, but yeah, um, and I think that's something that many people don't realize about the the digital face to face connection of your church is that even though you may have people that don't come to your door that or or people that uh, might stay home a week to watch instead, especially during a pandemic, you know, it's like you can you can kind of understand that, but yeah, it actually exposes more people to what's going on and creates that space that there's more opportunity for connection that both benefit. Yes, that both benefit because you're not you're not when you put something out there in the digital space, you're not asking people to choose that over 
you know, the end place. It's, no. it's another place. And so, um, you know, I, I see that a lot in, in churches that are doing that well, that are really trying to invest in that digital space and really not just stream the service. And, and I see that, you know, there's a lot of value in that. And, you know, I heard you say this before, so I wanted to ask you, what is the, the connection for a person that's part of your Anywhere campus? Is there a, a desire for you guys to take them? Like you said, in your first stage, it was, let's get them into some kind of connection with the church. Mm-hmm. What does that pathway look like? Because you said you didn't want them being isolated. So what is that yeah. pathway for them when they, they kind of get connected there? Um, the first is I'm excited to say now there are pathways. And, and in part, when we were in this idea of launching microsites, we were stuck in this Sunday-centric building model and trying to apply it to a new digital age that doesn't really work in and doesn't didn't leverage any advantages. And so what we're basically doing without realizing it is not creating opportunities for people to be a fully engaged part of our church. Mm-hmm. We were relying on, well, you're going to watch the Sunday service with other people and Community's magically going to develop and serving stuff, and that's going to be great, right? Yeah. And really, what we were doing is we were taking the best part of watching a watching church online, which is convenience. I can do it when I want, where I want, how I want, and eliminating it. Uh, we were making it super awkward because you had to go to a stranger's house and sit in their basement, and that's not the best experience. And um, and then we we weren't developing any kind of ser- serving opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, volunteer opportunities. We we had virtually nothing because we were relying on, well, people will watch the Sunday service together. Yeah. And what now we are in this kind of third age is um, we, we, we've defined church engage, engagement. You know, what does it mean to be a part of church growing with Christ and the seven basic categories. And what I've got my team focused on is saying, I want a um, exciting portfolio of options available under each that people can do from anywhere. So I want exciting community opportunities to actually know other believers, be encouraged, meet together, talk about that. I want that uh, available for anybody. Serving, you know, you think about that. This is one that doesn't get talked a lot about. Yeah. Cause um, how do you do it? Cause how do you do it? Right. Yeah. Well, and it's for us, it's, it's, it's stretching us and pushing us and it's, it's opened up some cool things. We've got um, layup one is prayer, you know, have an online prayer team. We've got 1300, some people on our online prayer team. That's, (laughs) that's a layup. I like that. You call that a layup. Yes. That's good. It's just, it's just like people can pray. It doesn't take much. Like just tell them what to pray for and they'll do it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I'd also go like, that's not everybody's exciting thing. And so what, what, what we've done is we've, we made, um, over the summer, uh, one of the big tasks for my team was coming up with roles. It's like, look, to be part of the church, you need a meaningful role. Everybody's area. I need you to come up with the volunteer opportunities. I don't care if you're editing video, audio, adi- anything. Uh, our article, we, we, we release a lot of articles, which drives a lot of organic traffic to our website. Um, we have a volunteer writing team, copy editing team. Um, we have people, when we started just pushing out there, our marketing social media team, there's people out there with skills in those areas where, you know, a typical building church, it's open a door, hold a baby, make some coffee, um, play in the worship band. Well, we can put a marketing professional to work and mm-hmm. allow them to, to, we can put a writer to work. Um, and so we've got a bunch of opportunities like that where you can really volunteer online. And, and for us, part of that promise is um, 
you know, when you volunteer, you should get built into and developed. You should get yeah. cared for. You should have a leader who knows your name, is checking up on you, and, and we're able to, to deliver that to people. Now, what we're also doing, just to be, just to be clear with this Crossroads um, Anywhere online idea, is in no way, shape, or form are we saying you have to only do it online. And so we're, we're basically going, we want to, so for community, for instance, yeah, we want you to have great options for community that you can do from anywhere. And if what you want is in-person community in your area, we're going to help you start that. And what we can't do, and this is, this is probably important to mention, because um, we tried it and didn't work. <laughs> yeah. What I can't do is give you friends in your town. Yeah. Um, we built oh, an entire piece of software <laughs> uh, that was that was a map. We called it our Connect Map, and we told everybody put yourself on the map. And if you want to know where people are around you, go to the map. It lets you reach out in a safe way, doesn't expose locations and things like that. So privacy was all secured, locked down. Yeah. Um, but you could talk to each other. And if you wanted to, you, you could start to get together, talk, hang out. Um, and we we loaded in tens and tens of thousands of people onto that map. And uh, the problem was people would reach out and never hear back from somebody. Mm. Um, yeah. and, and what I realized and what I propose now is, uh, and I've been talking to a guy who's got some venture capital funding to build an app that would help people find Christian community near them, which I'm really excited about. But I, I, I told him, I love your idea. Um, you need 10 million people on your platform before it becomes usable. Because mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that would happen is I, I could connect people to other crossroads people in their city. You know, it's like, hey, you live right. in Charlotte. They live in Charlotte, but you're 25 and they're 65. You're probably not going to be best friends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of churches try that with their small groups. Like here's all the locations they meet. They put them on a map, points on a map. You can find them. That gives the contact info. You click the little link pin and... And, and it does that. It's interesting. You mentioned that you can't give them friends. I had a, when I was a quick story, I was a youth pastor for a long time and I got sideways with a elder once uh, who felt that that was my responsibility is to provide friendships for his son. So it was my job to go to the schools and get people to come to the youth group from the schools so his son could have friends. And like your son goes to that school, right? So he's there every day. He could just make friends, you know, that's like, right. I'm not your son's like, wingman for, that's uh, right. for, for, you know, not being awkward at school. But, um, so I, I, I think that we, we do have somewhat of that mentality when we start thinking about how we connect people, not even just online, but in person, we're trying to find on some friend groups and we often use language like find your people and find people you connect with. And it's, it's couched in that mindset I wonder how that affects just the reality of what's really we can and can't do online or even in person, but just that's when it right. comes to fellowship and it comes to, you know, things like that. So it's an interesting thought to think about it like that. You're not just, you're not really able to do that, but you can yeah. empower people who will go do that to bring people along and do some of that ministry. That's right. Themselves. That's right. I find well, that to it, be more pastoral. I think it is more pastoral and I think it's also closer to what people want. So you, you mentioned those things, find people, find connections, whatever. I'll tell you, we've done a bunch of research on this. We have a really great um, insights group who does just world-class consumer insights work. Mm -hmm. And we found a couple of interesting things. One, the thing people are, particularly the younger you, the younger you are, is lonely. Okay. Yes. 
They will, they will tell you that in an anonymous survey. I am extremely lonely. I need friends. Great. But if you march out with the typical taglines, find people, find connections, get some friends, you need friends, they will wholeheartedly reject your offer. They do not want to acknowledge in any, because that forces them when they sign up, they're, they're, they're having to go like, I'm a lonely person. Yeah. And, and they don't want to do that. And so uh, we've realized the way that you talk about community online has to be different. Your goal, my goal for somebody is still the same. I want you to have connection or I want to build you up past you to the point where you can go yeah. to your friends and you can, um, but you have to go about it completely differently. Small groups is one of those you figured out. Um, and I've heard this from other folks too around the around the country. If you try to just one for one duplicate small groups, mm-hmm. but just do them on Zoom, the only people who that appeals to, um, by and large, and I don't mean to insult anybody, so please, please give me give me some grace. Um, it it will be your people who are more desperate to find friends than anybody else, and they tend to have some kind of a social anxiety, uh, awkwardness, something. Yeah, and a lot of your 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 other folks uh, just aren't willing to do it. So what we've had to do is go back to the root of the objective and go. We don't want small groups for people. We want community. How might we offer something in an online available context that gives people community, but also gives them what they're looking for? So one of our things we're we're launching we, we're calling cohorts. Because what we've realized is okay. if you if you do if you do research about um, how do people make friends online, it's all around a common interest. Yes, learning about a common thing I care about, and so we're making cohorts that are basically like, hey, are you are you 25 and you want to know what to do with your life? We got a we got a six week cohort starting. We're going to dig deep on how to figure out what to do. You know, your quarter mm-hmm. life crisis. Sign up for it. Hey, by the way, as a part of it, you know, we're going to toss you in with a couple of people to talk about it. So these might be temporary cohorts. Yeah. They're just like time-based. Totally time-based. All I'm trying to do is to get you to sign up because, and then I'm banking on, if you sign up in that experience, my goal is that you form connections with the people who are also doing this and you keep going with them. That's my goal. Yeah. But if I, if I sell you that goal from the beginning, you're not going to do it. So I'm going to sell you on. Why don't we get you through this quarter life crisis thing you're going through um, with other people who were doing who were in the, asking the same questions as you, you know, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. the thing people, people will jump into and those relationships uh, will continue. Yeah. And that's definitely a strength of the online space is that there isn't an anonymity to searching for things with that question and finding a place like that, that you are willing to engage with versus literally walking the aisle in, in person and, 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 or admitting in person in, in someone, someone right there that yes, I'm dealing with depression or yes, yes. I have a pornography issue or yes, I, I, my marriage is on the rocks. You know, those kinds of things are hard to say in person, but online, yeah. we seem to be a little bit more forthcoming if we feel that there's a, a, a trust and a connection and, you know, when we find those kinds of groups waiting for us to get offer help, that's, that's like, oh, thank God. You know, right. so uh, I think that's really great. I think that you've got, um, you, you said something about how you talk about some of those things. What are some of those other like categories and language things that you guys are thinking through? It's different for creating that community than in, in person. 
Um, I mean, the biggest one is, is what I said. It, it really comes down to you have to offer them something they want and are willing to access online. You have to you have to work with what they're willing to admit. Um, again, it comes back to that missionary mindset of mm-hmm. I know I want Christian community for you, but if I sell you Christian community, you're not going to want it. And I'm not doing a bait and switch. You know, mm-hmm. I'm being clear from the beginning, but I'm offering you what you want. The other thing that we that we're doing along those lines. Um, is doing a Zoom small group, not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but you know what is growing massively in popularity is virtual therapy. Yeah. People are talking to counselors online. People are having coaches, uh, com- super common in the you know, mm-hmm. business world. You might have an executive coach who lives on a different coast than you. Yeah. And so we're also offering people mentors and we're saying, wow, hey. You tell us what you what, what you need, and we're, we're going to pair you up one on one with with a mentor. Again, what that does is it, it, it's twofold. I'm creating community wow. and, and volunteering two ways because I'm able to say to anybody, uh, "Hey, you seem like you got a few things figured out. Would you be willing to be a mentor for somebody? You know, do do a Zoom call with them every every week, two weeks for you know 45 minutes an hour, just kind of help them out, talk to them, listen to them. Yeah. And you got I got people. Um, you know, I, I had a, a, a father in Idaho email me a few weeks ago saying, Hey, I found Crossroads online. Me and my family out in Idaho, we watch it. You know, my teenage kids just really enjoy it's, it. It's great. I'm like, wait, you're a father with teenage kids who are following Jesus. I can, I can put you to work. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So I was like, hey, would you talk to some younger dads who are trying to figure out how to be dads? And would you want to be a mentor? He's like, absolutely. And so now, I'm, awesome. now I'm able to, to engage him as part of the church. I'm able to give somebody somewhere um, a mentor who can, who can help them out. And oh, they, they're going to be in different time zones and different places, but it's, you know, again, to this idea of community connection, for me, we focus way too much about whether somebody is in the same room with me. And we focus on that kind of proximity versus another kind of proximity, which I would say is far more about, I am here for you in this moment. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of thing that people have. And I think the knock against online is, is we think that the technology is is the problem. Ah, people are, you know, look how lonely they are. Of course, they're they're so lonely. You said that, Kyle. They're so lonely. It's because they're online. And I would say no. It's because they're online alone. That's yeah. different. And and I I know plenty of people who are lonely and who can be in the middle of a crowded grocery store, a crowded stadium, and it doesn't yeah. matter, a crowded church, and they Absolutely. still feel alone. It's about that kind of proximity. Absolutely. And and if you look at a lot of the data, I mean, some of the loneliest people are pastors, you know, and it's like, they're around people all the time. And, yep. you know, you've got a real epidemic happening there. Um, how do you train people though? When you find a volunteer, do you do anything with them? Or is it like, I just trust you or, you know, the conversations that are had? I mean, how do you kind of, yeah. cause you don't want to pair somebody that turns out to be a wacko that you just didn't oh, know. Totally. Right? No, we so, have, we, we do a, we do a vetting process. We okay. talk to you, we get some references. I mean, you know, it depends on the role, but for something yeah. like that, you, you do, you have to be really careful. It's, it's part of the, I, I think churches have painfully learned this lesson in, 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 in buildings too. It's, yeah, you got to do your background checks. Yep. The more the more access and authority and the more the stamp of your church you're putting on somebody, the more you better vet that person and make sure they're not crazy. Yeah, because um, you, so you we, can catfish somebody online pretty pretty easily if you're not careful. You totally can. Yeah, totally and can. so that's good. That's good. I think I just wanted to say that because I know people are going to go, 
they just let anybody do this? I mean, is this, what's the process there? There is a process. There yeah, absolutely. Just like yeah. there's a process for you doing your, your kids volunteers. There's a process. Of yeah, course. Yes, absolutely. And that's, uh -huh. that's something too. It's like thinking about some of those things from the, the in real life. Uh, sorry, I keep saying in real life, but the in-person um, mm -hmm. experience that you translate over, you have volunteers that work yeah. in the digital church, you know? And, and so mm -hmm. a, a person who would be working with your kids gets vetted like a person who's going to be a mentor of someone who's helping dads. And I love yep. that, by the way, I love that idea. Uh, to me, that is, I'm just going to get on my own soapbox here. I have not seen that in the church done as well as I have seen it actually done in the digital space because yep. of the, the rise of what you're describing. Um, telehealth. I had a, I had an appointment with somebody to when I was sick, a couple of years ago and it was a telehealth uh, thing. And that's what I do now. Ever since that experience, I'm like, that's what I want to yep. do. But, but literally I had to shine my, my camera flashlight down my throat and get close to the camera so she could look down my throat and go, yeah, yeah, it's pretty red. Okay. It looks like you might be infected. And I'm just like, what is life right now that I'm getting medical advice from someone in Houston over the internet? Um, pretty crazy. And I know that obviously the counseling thing is boom. I have a good friend that I used to work with at my a church I worked at. He was one of our designers and he moved into counseling through this whole pandemic. I mean, it has been all telecounseling, you know, and, that's right. and, and they've boomed because of, you know, not that that's a great thing, but it's boomed because of the access and what it is, but also, you know, pandemic, it, a lot of people are feeling the effects of, that's right. of all of this. So I think churches thinking about that are people are struggling. Here's what they're struggling with. And we have these tools to really make solutions accessible for them. That's the, that's that, that is the words it's accessible. I'm mean, I talked about the acronym past personal accessible second, yeah. and it's the advantage of online. It's, it's both of those counseling and healthcare have both realized they can give people better access to care. Yeah, leveraging digital solutions, and that's where that's what I'm waiting for the church to do is to go like, man, do we realize we can give people better access to care if we lean in, yes. and if we'll get beyond this idea that church is about Sunday morning and it's do we stream, not stream? Is it better if you show up in person and sing songs? Something like, like just move past it and just go. There's people who need care. Yeah. What if we leverage this to care for them better than they ever have been cared for before? Exactly. It's like the in-person and the digital are two branches of your ministry. Yes. It's all under ministry. It's all under yes. the heading of ministry, discipleship, reaching people. It's all the same. It's just a model of how you do it. And I think that we've gotten stuck in a false dichotomy of you have to do either one or right. you have to lean into one and do the other extra or, you know, whatever. And I feel like what you guys are doing are, are really pioneering some thought on how to make that integrated, which is what the season of this whole podcast, this season has been about, is how do those things become your ministry? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I see well, you guys doing that. What we're trying to deliver to people is what I'm calling my crossroads. Mm -hmm. um, if, I, if I go into Netflix, I have my Netflix. Right. If I go to Amazon Prime, I've got my Amazon Prime. I've got my YouTube. Mm -hmm. And what we can give people is is my church. Yeah. And to what you said about them working together as part of a ministry, you know, our our, our biggest 
uh, or I think the churches in general, biggest opportunity, forget online exclusive people, is hybrid attenders. Yeah. And it's recognizing that people currently are using, most likely, if you've got digital tools and resources available, using your church in a hybrid fashion. They are picking and choosing the solutions that work for them. And that that solution set for them changes week to week. It changes day to day based on all the other factors in their life. And if you want to stay relevant and impactful to them, you have to do what everybody else has done. And, And that's become this sort of hybrid sort of experience for people. I tell people I am a hybrid target user. You know, there's a target five miles from my house. Sometimes I go there to buy stuff mostly when my kids are annoying me and I want out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Other times I'll order on target.com and it'll ship to my house. Other, other times I'll get out my target app. I'll come pick it up in the parking lot an hour later. Other, other times I'll order on my target app. I'll pick it up inside the store because I also want to buy a bag of ice. Yeah. And, and that's, that is the modern expectation about how people it's at a subconscious level. They expect right. to be able to interact with you that way. Yeah. And, and the closer all- you can get to it, the more you'll serve them. And all those things you're shopping at Target, no matter what yeah. what it was. So, That's right. I, so on that note, I have to ask then beg this question, because this is part of the pushback. Is it sounds like you're putting a consumeristic um, onus, I guess, on the person coming to the church that it's on demand. It's however they want to interact. They're choosing what they're interacting with you about. They're choosing. Is there danger to that? Is how do you combat that? Because there's going to be things sometimes they need to know about that they're not going to want to click on, right? And so they won't. And so yes. how do you get those things that they need to know that they? It's like how do you make them eat the vegetables? Is what I'm asking. You know, because yeah. some you know the meat of spirituality a lot of times, and especially in theological training, as we enter a phase of uh, biblical illiteracy like we've never seen, how does that? play into the online space and how do you guys combat that? Yeah, I would say really simply, how do you get them to eat their vegetables is you got to get them to the table first. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get them to the table if that table doesn't have giant entry points all over the place. If they if they have to be there at a certain time in a certain place and it's limited and it's exclusive, they will skip your table. They will not show up. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, for for me it's it's I, I think about First um, Corinthians thirteen. We we're just talking about this as a team yesterday. First Corinthians thirteen is the treatise on love. It's inside the context of a healthy functioning church. That's the context of it, not marriage, actually, but a healthy functioning church team. Um, this is the defining characteristic: love. And if you think about, which you probably call to your mind right now, that core part: love is patient, love is kind. All of those statements. I would say, tell me which of those demands we make it hard to get to God, or we make it harder to get access to church than it is target. Tell me which of those say that we should, we should, we should really err towards exclusivity instead of access. Cause I'll say the most loving thing you could possibly do is what if we aim to be more accessible, more readily available when you need God, when you want God, when you cry out for help, what if we made ourselves so accessible that in any moment you do that, we're right here. Hey, here we are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of on a really simple tactical level to take it out of theoretical to tactical. It's part of why we staff a, a, a our staff trained chat team available as close to 24 hours a day as we possibly can, because I want it. I want you to have access 
as short as possible to a real person who's ready to help you no matter the moment you have. You know, again, yeah. it's why I talk about content. I want to put out content all day long so that yeah. I can get as close as possible to you, you getting and, what you need. And, and you are. Um, you are doing that. Um, you know, I wanted to bring this up that the amount of content that goes on your website, those are the multiple entry points to the table you're talking about. And, and I, and I get that, that's, you know, I think you had 10 podcasts up there, um, multiple blogs, articles, you have a chat bot running that you talk about people are available to chat. There's a chat bot. And I think it's with, um, uh, who you use for that. What's, what's the name of that company? Just so people who want to know. Oh, I wrote I it down. I forget the name of it. Yeah, you've got yeah. this chat bot running that has this kind of crazy intercom. It's with a company intercom, called Intercom. Yep, that's it. Yeah. So um, it's like the plan your visit, but like two or three steps of of things you can do in there. Um, you've got a lot of places to connect, and then once they get in, they're they're building these you know these communities. So I just wonder, like, where are you in that process? are you, you know, what is your day weekly kind of connections look like? You've got all these entry points. So yeah. are they getting to you? Are there, is there lists, incentives? Are you personally emailing? I mean, how's that mm -hmm. kind of look for you to connect with, with like guests? One of the, when I, when I became, do you even um, call them our, guests? Uh, I don't know what we call them people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's going to think about them as like people who need care and, my, my, my goal is to put on the Jesus hat and say, how can I make it as easy as possible to get the care you need right now? That's mm -hmm. my, that's my simple goal. So for me personally, um, when I first became our named visible online pastor, I realized I was building relational equity with people every single week. I literally show up in your house and it's a false relationship. If you can never cash in on that relational equity. It's also frustrating if you cashing in is a bad experience. It takes a long time to hear back from me, all those sorts of things. And so I started giving away my email address. Um, I just filmed for the weekend yesterday. I did it again. Um, so in the weekend episode, just say, hey, if, if I can help you in any way, this is my personal email address. I will personally answer, respond to you as quickly as I possibly can. If it's a prayer request, an email, something good, some, whatever. I want to know. Um, and I know that's been really meaningful to people. It's, it's sort of, I also know that they don't believe me. Um, I get emails from people that are like, <laughs> my, you know, my husband dared me to email you and see if you'd respond. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. I did. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else do you want? So like, that's actually part of the job. So, you know, yeah. I told you I'd do it. I'm here. Well, and, and again, I just think about, think about it opportunistically. What if we made ourselves available? not just Sunday morning available, but all during the week available. Here mm -hmm. I am, talk to us. I mean, that's really what we're trying to do is to, is to be better, more accessible yeah. than ever before, not, not less. Yeah, and one of the things that you do, I wanted to talk about this too. You guys, first of all, you put out two sermon videos a week that are different, but are the yep. same. And, and, and we'll get into that. But you drop the one that's for online on Fridays at 5 p.m.? Yep. What? Okay. So that's a lot of churches would look at that and go, why not Sunday? Why not when people are church? So is, is it part of this, like being there anytime kind of, this is when, I mean, Friday at five is like, I'm getting ready to go out. You know, it's like, that's well, not now, but you know, people are like, 
getting ready for the weekend. We're relaxing. We're going to a movie. We're going out to eat or we're ordering in DoorDash or whatever we're doing. So what's the thinking on that? And then I want to talk about that, that difference of those videos. Cause I think that's yeah. fascinating too. Yeah. So why Friday at 5 PM is because some people go out Fridays at 5 PM. Um, a lot of us though, kind of approach Friday night, especially if you've got some kids in the house and it's not so easy to get out. That's kind of like a, um, and I'm looking for something interesting. Kind of that simple. So I'm like, cool. Well, uh, Disney Plus is dropping shows on Wednesday and on yeah. Tuesday because they want to have them ready for your Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't want Disney Plus shows to be your only option on Friday night of something new and interesting to watch. I would like stuff about Jesus that helps you grow and makes your life better to also be readily available for you on your Friday night in case you want to watch that. Yeah. And that's that's my mentality is like we we are that that kind of a content is you're competing with somebody's entertainment time. Whether or not that upsets you, it doesn't matter. That's how they're making the choice is I want something interesting that's going to make me feel different, better than I do right now. I'm going to watch Netflix or church. Yeah. Great. Well, I'd like to be there on Friday. So you can watch on Friday night or Saturday or Sunday. And then of course the rest of the week you're you're happy to, but yeah. And, and I'll why tell wait till Sunday morning? I'll tell you uh, selfishly, um, maybe not selfishly, maybe just this is who I am. But I like the one of the things that from this pandemic that I have loved, if you, if that can even be a thing we say, um, even though the pandemic has been terrible, uh, one of the things that have come out of it is I like going to church on a different time of the week so that I can sleep in and relax both days of, of the weekend. Because yes. I would, I, dude, I work 8.30 to 7 p.m., you know, like everybody else. And and when you're working at home, you know, you, you feel like, uh, and I work at home. So I'm working all day, man. And when I finally get yeah. a chance to relax, ah, I'm getting up early. I'm, I'm doing this all week. And it's like not even now I don't, I don't have that commute or anything, which is awesome. So imagine people who have a commute. You know, there's just so many things that go into that. It's like, I don't want to get up early. And if I can find not just a church to watch, but to attend and be actively part of on one of the evenings. And and that was the whole purpose of Saturday church, things like that. Um, I love that. When we have been at churches that have Saturday night service, we were Saturday night service people. And, and, and we loved that because it gives us some of our weekend back. We're awake, we're, we're going somewhere and we can go out to eat afterwards. And just, there's so many things that go with it. I love that you're competing on Friday. I think that's a fantastic thing. And like you said, Disney's dropping on Wednesdays. Um, what a weird day to drop videos, right? For, yep. for a major like Marvel thing, you know, yep. to drop the book of Boba Fett on a Wednesday. Yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> that's, but that's where we are as a society. It's because they want you. I mean, the whole, the whole psychology behind that of a Wednesday is it gives enough time for the people in your life, for some of them to have watched it, the super fans and uh-huh. talk to you about it so yes. that when you get to your Friday night and you're looking for something to just zone out to, you're watching Boba Fett. Yep. Well, again, wh- wh- why not, why not have church as, as an option? Some people yeah. will choose it. Yeah, they will. And if they don't, they can choose it Saturday or, mm-hmm. and, and then, or they could choose it Sunday morning and, and be part of it. Cause you've got people with the chat option pretty much like you said all the time so there is there is an element of 
preparedness and accessibility, like you were talking about, that yeah. I think a lot of churches are not funded for, budgeted for, prepared for, trained for. They're just not thinking that way. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's still the, we just put what we do on, in person out there for people that can't make it. Yeah. And, and it's, right. just, it's a mind shift. But uh, speaking of mind shifts, I want to talk about the two different versions you put out. Some churches yes. did this like early in the pandemic and then stopped. You guys yep. are doing this really well. What's the difference between your, because you have a live stream that goes out and you have an online church video that goes out. Yep. When do you shoot that? What's the difference? I mean, just kind of talk me through that whole process and thinking. Uh, so the, the big idea is um, what makes something digitally native? or made for online. And I, and I think at an intuitive level, we can all agree, if you make something for online, that's your end goal from the beginning, um, it'll succeed better than if you made it for a different purpose and you kind of tried to retrofit it mm -hmm. and put it somewhere else and make it do something else, right? So like you can turn a lawnmower into a delivery car, but really it's made to be a lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> so like, like posting events natively on, in, on a Facebook page, thinking everyone's going to see it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So our, our idea with the online episode was let's make something natively for online. Let's not just um, videotape the Sunday service and put it online and call it digital. You know, nobody, nobody goes to a, a theater, uh, puts a video camera or even several really nice ones in the room, films a stage Broadway play, puts it in an AMC theater and calls it a movie. It's not a movie. Yeah, it's it's a filmed theater production, and there are some people who really want to watch a filmed theater production. They are called your super fans of theater. Mm -hmm. But everybody else in that movie theater is really disappointed when they sit down, and it's like, what is this? Why am I watching people on a stage? This is kind of flat. It's uninteresting. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not doing it for me. Um, that is your Sunday service for people who are not already part of church. Yeah, it's weird. And it doesn't hold their attention. So we we dug in really deeply to YouTube retention graphs, which you know anybody who's a YouTube channel, YouTube gives you an amazing amount of tools for free where you can see exactly the second second by second when people stop paying attention to what they skip. And we just started just set a goal um, to say like how can we capture and hold attention attention better? And that led us to different formats, shorter times. Um, we've removed um, music. Um, most most weeks there's no music in it. Yeah. Doesn't mean we're not trying to help people worship. Doesn't mean we don't believe we, that it's not that. We just recognize when we package this together, we actually get less people to engage with the message. Okay, well, let's take it out because we want you to engage with the message. Um when I, I talked to Dave Adamson at the in the first episode from he used to work at North Point, and that was a the conversation they had. Um, it was just like they were noticing those same drops after music. So yep. they, just, they just took it out for the online. Yeah, you, you just you just take it out. And for us, it goes beyond that of, of you know, I, I could I could spend an hour talking about YouTube best practices and the value of your first yeah. six seconds and how you have to you have to hit your promise from the beginning. You know, a, a stage message, um, if I'm teaching on stage, I like to tease something, build an idea. You're not really sure exactly where I'm going for the first yeah. minute or two. And I'm going to, you can't do that online. Online, in your first six seconds, you have to say exactly what the person watching is going to get if they watch the rest. Yes. That's your punchline. You got to do it first. You got to hook them quick. 
And then you have to immediately create a question in their head that they want answered. So you have to, you have to you know, you say, hey, today, I'm going to tell you how you can feel and sense more purpose in your life than you ever have before. But the key question is X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It, it's those little things that like make all the difference that if I walked onto a stage in a room full of people, you know, offering video plays, I stood up and I went, you know, like it would just feel weird. Yeah. It would be off. So anyway, we're, we're doing that. We're trying to, we're trying to script things out a little bit more, trying to lean into it. I'd say we're like, I don't know, 15% of the way there. I don't, I don't particularly love, our team doesn't love the online episodes that we're making. Um, there's lots of really practical things that push on it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's hard to find a highly produced, uh, excellent looking sounding show that drops 52 episodes a year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So especially you got to make it in seven days, you know? Yeah, exactly. You got to make one every week. So we, 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 we currently, we film on Wednesdays. Um, we're experimenting all the time with different stuff. We're going to, if anybody knows what XR is, um, extended, extended reality. It's kind of where the production world's going. It's how they shoot Mm -hmm. Mandalorian. Um, we shot a series on an XR stage. That was our Christmas series. We're shooting a a series about Genesis, um, on an XR stage next month. That's fascinating. Um, Because it'll let us, again, you think, just think about like, how do you, if you take this approach of what are the advantages versus a a room in a building? One of the advantages is, is for instance, is I'm going to teach on the story of Joseph. If I'm on a stage, you've got my words and maybe some pictures on, on jumbotrons on either side of me, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of what I can do. Yeah. Well, if someone's teaching about Joseph in an online video, they're going to have B-roll shots and archaeology things. And they're going to, yeah. and in, in, in extended reality, which are virtual environments, um, we're going to have half-built pyramids behind me. We're going to take you back yeah. in time it, and it's it, that you couldn't do to immerse sounds, you, know, but, you know? Yeah. It sounds kind of like what you're doing is you're creating an ability because of that technology to make like, I don't know if you know, familiar with like right now media, you've got these teaching series where they go to Israel and they teach from Israel, you know, and they have this whole backdrop with all those cut scenes and things of that nature. You're bringing that to the weekly experience online of a, of a message that's visual, that's interactive. And, yeah. and you know, a lot, I mean, most churches can't pull that off, obviously, but they no, can pull, and, and, they can pull off know, something. Honestly, for, for us, I mean, that's the question we're asking is like, what does it take? Um, I, I read a Jeff Bezos investment letter a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a leader is to underestimate what it truly takes to pull off the thing you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And he compared it to trying to do a handstand. And he said, you know, there's actually handstand coaches. And most people, if you said, how long do you think, does it, how long do you think it would take for you to master a handstand? And most people will guess like, I don't know, maybe six weeks. And he goes, it actually takes six months. <laughs> it takes six months for the average person to master a handstand. And he goes, you know, this is, a lot of us make this mistake in, in, in business or in ministry, in ministry, obviously, but I'll, I'll kind of add to it. And we, we, we can see the solution, but we're not honest about what it takes to really deliver the actual solution. Mm-hmm. And so what we end up doing is we, we have inferior products that we're calling the thing and they're not performing the way we want them to, but it's because we don't actually have the resources to invest to make it what it could be. And I'd say for me right now, you know, just being honest, I think that's kind of where our, our weekly online episodes are. Um, and so we might, we might move those out of a weekly rhythm and we might move to more, this is kind of, again, behind the curtain, 
um, more of a Disney plus model drop three, four shows a year. Mm-hmm. Um, Hey, we've got a fall special coming out. There's going to be six episodes. We're going to drop them on Wednesday, just like Disney plus it's going to, yeah. we're going to take you through the book of Genesis and take you back in time, you know, um, or we might drop them at a Netflix style. Here's all six episodes from the beginning binge watch if you want to. Um, cause it is, it's, it's hard. You just look at who we're competing with and they've got a lot, they put a lot of time energy into it. So, you know, for anybody listening it's a, if you want to experiment with it, pick a, pick a target you can hit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't got to, you don't have to make 50 of them, but try making one, you know, yeah. watch some YouTube videos. YouTube will tell you how to make YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Watch but, them, try but it. You, but, but there's some simple things they can do that you guys are doing to get closer to that, where you're creating something specifically for it. It has to do with like who is speaking, how they speak, um, the environment that they're in. You're not on a stage, you're in a room, you have a backdrop. Like right now I'm looking at your backdrop in your office. I think you got a wood burning stove in there, which is really awesome. I do. I do. Yeah. (laughs) That's Uh really crazy. That's like a nice little backdrop you've got there. That kind of thing where, you know, you, you create the environment that looks like it's supposed to be where they are and it's used, Mm -hmm. they're used to seeing in that space versus if I, if I watch a video of the service in your giant sanctuary or even your small sanctuary, I know I'm not there. I, I, I'm reminded frequently that I'm not there, which makes me feel like I'm not really part of it, which makes me just watch. And that is, that is my motivation for the person is I don't want to say you can be a full part of our church and then show you a person on a stage talking to a room you'll never get to an audience who's not you inside of a form of church that if we're honest, the younger you are, you don't want, you've mm-hmm. given up on, you're not interested in. And so, you know, for, for us, I think what, 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 why we're committed to continuing to push forward and pioneer and didn't stop where, where some others did is because we're, it's that missionary mindset of, I want you to know you fully belong. I want to talk to you and, and to the, to the cost doing it. Our, our most successful in terms of holding, capturing and holding attention for a viewer episode we've, we've ever done, I think it's still at this point, was one we made in the summer of 2020. And we actually made it right here in this, in this workshop. It's, it's me teaching. Um, this is, I do woodworking. So this is my like, okay. my, my workshop and my, my, all my saws and stuff. And oh, nice. um, we, we honestly, we just, we, we tried to mimic the Alton Brown show, Good Eats where it's him in his kitchen and does interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And I talked about um, pride and shame and used action figures. And it, it captured and held attention. We didn't go to an expensive location. It wasn't an XR studio, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's things you can do if you're, if you're willing to, to lean in. I, you know, I always recommend to people like, go to YouTube and type in how to make a YouTube video and just get super curious. And I, I think for, you know, for, for guys like us who have done teaching for a long time, it's having the humility to just recognize, man, you know how to do this on a stage. It's different when you go online. And, yeah. and the pushback I get from people is like, well, yeah, but what about, you know, Michael Todd, he's got loads of viewers and he, he t- talks for 90 straight minutes on mm-hmm. a stage. Yeah. Um, and I would say, yes, there are always, rule breakers 
Joe Rogan does a three hour long podcast. There's are always people who will break the rules. Yep. Um, and I'd also say like, who, who's watching and who are you after? Who are you called to? Maybe I'm not called right. to the same person who's going to watch the Mike Ty video. Maybe I'm called to the person who's explicitly not going to watch it because it yeah. looks like church. Right. And, and to be fair, you do still put that video out. The, yes. the the church video with the full worship and everything for that group. I mean, that's the yes. live stream that Which you do in that moment. I think I think our whole team would 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 agree. I'm curious if to listen to this and they'll push back on me. I believe it's accurate to say I was the biggest advocate for putting our building church service also online. Yeah. And the reason for me is because again to access if you if you take access over exclusivity as your benchmark you realize like why not give people more the most access to whatever they're looking yeah. for and i realized i had people in seattle who used to come to our church who wish they still could mm-hmm. wonderful i would love you to watch what you loved you yeah. know because that's going to be the question it's like well how do they interact with the pastor well you've got a lot of people a lot of different campuses so which one do you put up it looks like you put a different one up from different places um, but when you land on your, your page for like media, like watch, you know, be part of it, you have uh, the first, I'm looking at it right now, it says two inspirational messages every week. Live service is a box, online is a box. Underneath it says a live service, 65 minute service filmed in front of a live audience. Online, 25 minutes or less created and optimized for video viewing. It's like so clear that you have, okay, how do you want to interact here? Because mm-hmm. here's what we offer every single week. And that's updated every week. And that's your new message. And then you've got that underneath and some teasers of what it's going to be. It's the same message. Yep. But done two same different content. ways. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we, we literally, I mean, our, you know, our senior pastor film yesterday, we had him do a 25 minute or less version of his message. He's going to give on Sunday morning. We'll put both of those up. Same guy, same message. And sometimes we vary the speaker, but they're still going to hit the same, yeah. the same message. Well, that, um, that's what I know. That's what I noticed too. Like um, the speaker is one of, I believe, I forget her name, but she is an online pastor as well, or Anna. maybe one, maybe one of your team. So mm-hmm. when you tune into that online, they see you speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Or one of your team, they don't see like the senior pastor. Is that correct? They see the senior pastor. When the senior pastor teaches, he teaches everywhere. Okay. Um, me as one of our teaching pastors, I generally, I'll teach in both places. Sometimes I'll be online and somebody else will be on stage if it's not the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're doing that in, in a few spots. Part of that, I mean, again, just in, in full transparency is I think this, this move to digital is a generational shift. Yeah. And so part of what we're doing is going, I'm going to intentionally put some younger teachers into our online space. Um, mm-hmm and not some of our older, excellent, amazing teachers um, who might be great in, for our buildings and on stage. I'm just going, we need to, we need to get younger online. Let's, let's yeah. have some younger teachers in the mix. Yeah. As a, by the way, if these people are curious, because um, we offer those two options, it varies uh, by 5% week to week, but we see about 60% watch that studio online version and about 40% watch the stage version. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but that's about where we're, where we're hovering. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I do want to cover one more thing as we wrap up here. You have something on your content side that I thought was fantastic. Um, a big part of online presence and being good at that is being able to tell stories and tell a lot of them. 
Um, and churches really struggle with this of like, how do you get the story? How do you tell the story? Is it this big production of, I got to get them in the studio. I got to put music behind it, make this big testimony video. So it's scary. You guys seem to do that pretty uh, easily. I would say, I know you got a team, but yep. it's not just that you have so many different ways you do it. And the expression you've called, you call it is, I love this humans of crossroads which is a playoff of humans of new york for sure totally absolutely yeah 100%. so what is humans of crossroads for those that, that and you can go to crossroads.net and see all this and i recommend you do yeah but um go to the watch listen read category and you've got humans of crossroads i'm pulling it up right now and it's just this list of stories of people yeah. doing different things when did that start how do you guys how do you guys populate that? And what is that? How's that work? Um, it, it started during the pandemic. The goal was, hey, theologically, I would say the most powerful form of communication is actually not teaching, it's testimony. And how do we deliver that? And, and, and um, I'll, I'll tell you as a by the way, you know, we'll show video stories in our buildings. And they might be, it might be a three minute long, four minute long story of somebody and, you know, their, their problem, what they're experiencing, how they met Jesus, how that changed your life, where they are now, you know, the basic, the basic format. And your building audience will sit there and they'll watch it. Whether or not it's what they wanted to watch, they'll watch it. And generally speaking, um, they'll be inspired if you do it correctly. Well, what I noticed the YouTube retention graphs is if I took that same video and I put it online, no one watched it. Really? No one watched it. They skip your testimony videos inside of your message. <laughs> and, really? and not only like, you know, YouTube shows you a, a progressive graph. So it's like, I could see that there would be a dip and then I'd come back up after the story. But my end point after the story from where, from before the story was always low. So, mm. you know, 15% of my audience would hit that story and just go, eh, X, I'm out. Yeah. And so it was like, well, crap, how do I deliver this thing I think is critical for you, uh, in, in a different way. And, and, uh, another part of our team came up with that idea of humans of crossroads is like, well, people understand humans of New York. There's like a built-in sort of subconscious understanding of the value I'm going to get, why I would click it. Yeah. Let's just start putting people's stories out there and call it that and see what happens. And people engage and read and, and they do, you know, I, I would say, I, I would also say to that, I'm not fully satisfied with that as the only or best place to tell stories. Um, we do it in our, our weekly emails that we'll send out, you know, we're, we're trying to break that, that wall and make it two way. I'm always trying to, to model the people. This is a community and we're real people and you can really talk to us and you can be part of it. And so we'll share bits of stories and we'll say, let's all pray for this person this week. And then the next week we'll follow yeah. up with what happened because we prayed and then we'll pray. Like we're kind of trying to at all points, just get, other people in front of yeah. everybody. There's a coherent dialogue about it that the, yeah. is, the community is sharing that you guys are facilitating. Yes. And, and, and just so the people can't, who can't see it, like these are basically blog entries is what it kind of mm -hmm. looks like. You got your blurb up front with a photo and then you click and it opens up the full story. And, you know, these are fantastic, you know, just simple, short, easy to, yeah. to read and digest. And, you know, you, you, think about this. I imagine you probably have some time during the week 
where your team kind of goes, what stories have you heard? What are we working on? What, what, mm -hmm. where are we bringing new life to this, this situation? How do you get those stories in and, and kind of develop in them into this that you can even I, type it? I would say, you know, digital aside, we look for, I've looked for stories for 15 years and I've always wanted to find the automatic solution, you know, Oh, yeah. we'll just tell our story, our community. Just go to just email my story at crossroads.net if something cool happens or go to this thing and put your story in. And then the reality that I've, I've seen is the people who volunteer to share their stories aren't the ones you want. Um, so what you have to do is it, it is just it, it's just a it's work, work, work. Mm -hmm. It is ask, ask, ask. It is just email all your campus path. Who got a great story? Who's who's, who's heard something? I'm, one yeah. of the rhythms we have as a team in, in our we have a, an every other week, all staff training. It's an hour and a half. Um, 30 minutes of that is our staff celebrating the cool things they're seeing happen through our ministry. And so what happens is people share stories and some of us sit in the back and just take notes and go, all right, I'm going to check with Jill. Follow up on that. Because I want that story. I'm, this is, that's, wow, that's amazing. I want it. Yep. And that's, that's what it takes. That's kind of key. That's the answer I would give. Is that it just takes work and that's your job. You know, it's like, if you're it's involved, your job, that's it's right. your job. I mean, really, if you're in the digital space and you're trying to like, well, let's tell more stories, they're not going to tell you, you have to go find it. You have to do the legwork. I mean, you think about all this news. If, if you, I've always suggested too, like, if you really want to find out how to go find a story, shadow a reporter, find a reporter, go shadow a reporter at a local news station and see how they find stories. You'll find yes. if you're famous, they may send you stuff, but they're out there looking for stuff. They're online yes. looking for stuff. They're talking to people. They are shaking trees and see what, see, to see what falls out. That's and, right. And you know, that takes work. And I feel like it does. in, in the digital space, we're so conditioned now to think that everything can be automated, that we've lost some of the, the things that, there can't be an automation for getting stories. There's no automation. Them. Uh, -uh. no, There's you got to find the story. You got to convince the person why it matters that they share their testimony. Cause generally if it's a great story, they're not going to want to, they don't, why would anybody care about me? And yeah. that feels awkward and I'm nervous about it. And so exactly. yeah, it takes work. Exactly. That's exactly what I was hoping you'd say. Yes. <laughs> when, when I asked that question, uh, cause that is so it, man. And as we've, you know, a church comm team where I, my company, we try to help people do stories. So we create pathways to find those stories. But at the end of the day, if you're not going out to find them, you're never going to really find them. And, exactly. and I love the idea. We actually suggest this too, that spend time each week in your staff meeting talking about those wins and the comms director is there to take notes. Yep. You know, and that's exactly. it. Exactly. And, and that's how you find those stories. Then you go follow up and get those stories. Yeah. That I is mean, the best way to do it. People know. I mean, that, that ends, that celebration ends at 1030 AM on Wednesday morning and you're going to get a text. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey. Yeah. You, you got that contact, you contact info? info. Would you reach out to them and they would they, they share their story? Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, have you verified this is true? You know, are we good on uh -huh. this? <laughs> so. That's right. I got a couple of questions about that story. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What you do. So that, and I think too, that also just helps on the ministry side. We'd never celebrate. Well, we just don't celebrate well in the church. We, we, we kind of mm -hmm. get together after an event and go, we ask basically two questions. Like, did it happen? Yep. Did anybody get hurt? Nope. It was successful. Uh, moving on. And, and that's uh -huh. our debrief, you know, and so finding out what did you see, what happened, what are some stories collecting that and spending real time, digging that up. Gosh, that just fuels a better online presence. 
Absolutely. Uh, and, and a better in-person because a pastor can then go, Hey, I heard a story this week. One of our people, you know, in their message, it yeah. illustrates kind of what we're about here as a church. And I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. Um, if your pastor wants to go live online and share that story, like, Hey, I heard this story this week. That's great content for social media. Yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh. And it all comes from just like, let's take a little time to celebrate and take notes. Uh-huh. And then we'll, then we follow up. Love it. Uh-huh. Exactly right. Oh, exactly. you gotta get me on soapbox there. Okay. Well, man, <laughs> I, this has been so fascinating and we used 10% of my notes. This was just so good. Um, where we were headed with this conversation This is exactly what I wanted to talk about. So I really appreciate you coming on the show, man, and, and taking your time and your experience, and your expertise and, and lending it to our audience who are wanting to, to do some of this stuff that you do better. So thank you so much for, for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, you guys, that's it for the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast for this season. This is the last episode of this season. So we will be back again in the next season, which is most likely going to be fall. You may, we may drop some things during the summer here and there, but fall will bring be back with another season of the Seminary of Hard Knocks to help you with digital church, online space, community, and uh, communication. So thank you guys for listening. Subscribe and share this podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast, and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks. See ya. Thank you.